0: Will you pray with me? Come Holy Spirit, and today may your word be preached with boldness, heard with attentiveness, and obeyed with readiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Hunter Myers. I'm the student ministry director here at the Cathedral Church, and it is such a joy to be with you at this Easter vigil. What did Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, say along the way to the tomb. Or perhaps their grief was too heavy, their loss too fresh to speak at all. Jesus' crucifixion happened so fast that they didn't have time to actually prepare his body for burial. We can imagine that perhaps they walked slowly, at first in the dark, as they approached the tomb to honor his body with a breaking light. They brought spices for his body to anoint him, and they brought their grief. Spices and grief. 26 chapters earlier in uh, in Matthew's gospel, wise men brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh for the baby Christ. In fact, everyone who has ever sought Jesus has brought something to him. Some brought gifts. Others brought wounds in need of healing. Some brought friends broken by disease and decay. And some brought challenges to Jesus' authority and to the tomb that early morning. These women brought spices and grief. Spices and grief. Friends, what do you bring This most holy of Saturdays at this Easter vigil? Like the women approaching the tomb, are you bringing grief? confirmance? Are you bringing joy at the strengthening of your faith in Christ? Or perhaps you bring trepidation of a long life yet to be lived in daily faith and obedience? For the rest of us, are you bringing tomorrow's tasks that are raising through your mind? Are you bringing shame from your past? Or perhaps are you bringing hope at the light at the end of this pandemic? Are you bringing loss over someone you loved who is no longer with us? Are you bringing mistrust and organized religion and perhaps doubts about God's goodness himself? Perhaps you're bringing someone who you hope tonight will receive and taste God's love. When Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, approached the tomb that morning, they came with spices and grief. And what people bring to Jesus reveals what they expect to find in him, Correct. What we bring to Jesus reveals what we expect to find in him. And unfortunately, life has a way of tempering our expectations, even the ones we never take the time to name. The common wisdom is low expectation leads to lower disappointment, something along those lines. This world shapes our expectations, even of those of us who would come this holy Saturday. The first two witnesses of the resurrected Jesus expected to find his body in a tomb. Here's what they encountered instead. We read it today in our gospel passage, and I encourage you to turn there to page 835 of the Pew Bibles, or in your own Bible, to Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, beginning in the second verse. Matthew writes in the second verse of chapter 28 that instead of a tomb, here is what these women encountered. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. We can only imagine the shock on these women's faces. Perhaps they dropped their spices, even if they hadn't dropped their grief quite yet. They approached the tomb, expecting to find a dead man in his grave. Instead, they encountered a spiritual being so terrifying that even these burly Roman guards had passed out from fear. That's quite a sight. But in their shock, perhaps still carrying their spices and their grief, the first words at this incredible sight were, "Do not be afraid." For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Do not be afraid. Those are the first words spoken to Mary at her annunciation. And the words spoken to Joseph when he feared marrying Mary. These words are the ones Jesus spoke to his disciples as he walked on water in the midst of a terrible storm. These are the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, Peter, James, and John, at his Mount of Transfiguration, when they cowered in fear. We should not be surprised, therefore, when our own encounters with God don't initially bring comfort. In fact, they might inspire awe and shock and fear. Perhaps this is why someone like C.S. Lewis described his conversion as more like a train wreck than an epiphany. Think about those words. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Then come 11 words in our English that upend all of history. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. For nearly 2,000 years, the church has tried to understand the implications, the reality of Christ's resurrection, and what it means for us and for our world. And tonight, we should sit with those simple 11 words as they are the foundation of all the hope and faith that we walk in as followers of Jesus. He is not here. Here the angel proclaims the present reality in front of Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James. Yes, the guards have passed out. Yes, there was an earthquake. And yes, a literal angel from heaven is speaking to them. But the most pressing reality in front of their very eyes is that the one they are seeking is no longer in his tomb. He is not here, for he has risen. The cause of Jesus' absence isn't isn't grave robbery. It isn't a massive conspiracy from the Roman rulers or the religious rulers. He is risen. Christ has risen from the death. Not resuscitation, where the body's functions are paused and then start back up again. Not disappearance, not displacement, resurrection. Death itself has been conquered Losing the grip on body and soul in the resurrection of Jesus. You see, the women like us, they understood grief. They even understood crucifixion. But a new reality met them at the tomb that morning. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. As shocked as the women were, Christ was only fulfilling and being true to his word. In his ministry, constantly Jesus pointed forwards to the cross and the empty tomb, but only after his life and his death and his resurrection has the church been able to understand that these were promises being fulfilled. As St. Augustine wrote in his catechetical discourse, he says, it was predicted in the prophets that Christ would suffer on a cross at the hands of his own people, and so it has happened. It was predicted that he would rise again and he rose again. What then? will the other predictions not also come to pass? It is clear that just as those predictions came true, so also will these, whatever tribulations those who follow him have to walk through and the day of judgment and the resurrection of the dead. Friends, the promises of our faith hinge on Christ's empty tomb. Resurrection is the new reality in Christ. And the good news for Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James is the same good news for us this evening. Christ is risen. Christ, our conquering king, whatever we bring to this evening, he brings victory. The tomb is empty. Is this moment not the paradigm of gospel faith? We seek Christ as we are, bringing our sins, bringing our disappointments, bringing our anger, our losses, our own spices and grief. And instead, we encounter not only a savior who can empathize and sympathize with our weaknesses, but we also encounter a conquering king. You see, we tend to imagine that Christ was merely asleep for those days in the tomb. Instead, this Easter vigil invites us to greet a king coming back from battle, from conquest. The great tradition of the church has testified to this reality. Um, Our friend St. John Chrysostom, a 4th century uh, preacher, proclaimed Christ's victory using these words, "...let no one fear death, for Christ our Savior has set us free. He has destroyed death by enduring it. He destroyed hell when he descended into it. He put death into an uproar even as it tasted his flesh." Death took a body and discovered God. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what it saw and it was overcome by what it did not see. That early Easter morning, bearing spices and grief, Mary Magdalene and Mary and the mother of James encountered the true king, the only one who wrought our full salvation, in his cross and in that empty tomb. Wherever any human being could go, however deep into death and sin we could dis- We could descend, Christ has already conquered it. He has been there. He has conquered it. Think about those words. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Yet at this point in the narrative, the women have another terrifying prospect in front of them. The angel invites them to come and see the empty tomb, but then he tells them to go to Jesus' disciples and tell them about the empty tomb and that he was going to meet them in Galilee. The women meet resurrection reality and are then commissioned into a world that would be hostile to that very reality, a world where in their time, a woman's testimony would not even hold up in court, and they were the first witnesses, the first bearers of this message. They just wanted to bring spices and grief to a tomb, but instead, they become the first bearers of resurrection reality. And even as they leave the tomb and encounter the risen Jesus himself, he reiterates this commission. He says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. At this moment, the crucial thing is that Jesus' resurrection is not just about proving some point or offering people a new kind of spiritual experience. It is about God's purposes throughout history, the history we retold this evening that must now and have been fulfilled in Christ. People must see Jesus, but that seeing will be a commissioning, a commissioning to a new life, a new way of life in which everything that Jesus has promised before will come true. Friends, I fear we risk letting the world limit what our king has conquered and will conquer. But whatever we bring to this Easter vigil, this holy Saturday, know that our king does still meet us where we really are. And what's more... He is again inviting us to meet him as he is and receive what he brings. He brings that invitation for you to come, to behold his victory, and to trade your burdens and expectations for his resurrection reality, his life itself. But again, we must also go from this place and continue for God to continue that work in and through us. We must tell with our whole lives the truth, the goodness, and the beauty of our king's empty tomb. I remember ascending the steps to the lectern at my grandmother's funeral. That morning, I was bringing fear. I was afraid that I would stumble over the words, even though they were printed on the page right before me. I had almost forgotten why Graham chose Psalm 42 as the psalm she wanted to read at her funeral. With its chorus, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the hope of my salvation and my God. Then I remembered who Jesus was to Graham. As I finally read those words aloud, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the hope of my salvation and my God. I realized that this was the chorus of her life and all who would follow after Christ. Her life was marked by Christ's empty tomb and ours can be too. We, are, we can bear our weariness and our dark disturbances of our soul to our king. And in his victory, we can find hope, salvation, and even praise in the darkest of circumstances. For my grandmother, that was the chorus even at her funeral, Christ's tomb really was empty, and that was worth hinging her life on. And that is who we get to, how we get to live to. Friends, he is not here, for he has risen as he said. Confirmance, this is the faith that you have been, the mature faith that has been confirmed in you this evening. Church, our faith is in this, is in this same victorious king. So do not be afraid when Christ upends your expectations. He has a tendency of doing that. Come to him all the same. And as you go from this place, tell with your life the resurrection reality our king brings. Again, closing in the words of our friend St. John Chrysostom. Christ is risen, and you, O death, are annihilated. Christ is risen, and the evil ones are cast down. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life itself is liberated. Amen. Amen.